You like movies? Uh, yeah, yeah, I like movies. So do the boys on We Doing Filmographies. What is As they crank out episodes on rad actors they like, you can discover that Ray Liotta's first role has him doing a bad thing with a hose. Are you, are you talking to me, though? Or how in Dingling List, Robert Longstreet donates his penis to his penisless best friend. Kind of feel like you're doing... Does that sound pretty cool? Uh, yeah. Not as cool as Brad Pitt seeing his reflection for the first time and saying he looks like mother okay i don't know what tune into we doing filmographies podcast on all podcast platforms and listen to jason and jules wade through garbage gold and boredom one movie at a time wait us yeah oh that's what we we doing filmographies Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. And this is Come In. Come In 81 Kilo. A Forever Night podcast. amazing and what i really find to be the most inspiring part of that is i find a new way to fuck it up <laughs> every single time every buddy. single time how many we're, we're both explorers yeah how many possible combinations are there i have to know it, your subconscious is just yeah, driving you to I mean, it exactly i can't i am an adventurer i must seek out new new experiences even if that means pushing the wrong fucking button <laughs> So, here we are, speaking of adventures, Forever Night Season 3, Episode 12, Strings. And I have to admit, I put this on, and I got the opening seat, because I was like, strings, strings. Because most of the time, you can shout an episode title at me, and I'll be like, okay, this is what happens, here's the flashback, here's some notable quotes. It's a bit like a, it's a good party trick, right? I can roll it out. Nobody gives a shit because nobody knows what Forever Night is. So nobody ever yells titles at me. But if they did, you're ready. So fucking ready. And yet I was like, string, string, strings. I know the next one's Fever. Fever, I was like, ooh, Fever. And I got the whole download. The AIDS episode, the, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to Fever. And then I was like, but we're not on Fever. We're on strings. What is strings? And I was like, well, I'll just watch it. It'll come to me. And so I put it on and it started playing. And I was like, is this an episode I haven't seen? Is it possible I haven't seen this episode? We got all the way through the cold open. Of course, I've seen the intro. Then we kept going and I was like, holy shit. I don't think I've seen this episode. What is happening? And then we got to the flashback. And I was like, oh, 
Rasputin. Oh, right. Yes. No, I have seen this episode. But I think my hypothesis here is that this episode is so boring. I literally purged it from my mind. Okay. So there's this really good book I read. Okay. That makes use of a similar premise. The book is called There Is No Anti-Memetics Division. Hmm. And the premise is there's a whole thing called memetics, which is making things memorable. Yeah. And it goes kind of on like a supernaturally twist, like the... Um, SCP, like special containment procedure, yeah. um, like monster things exist and whatever. There's secret agencies to contain them. This is a secret agency for things that have developed camouflage, defense mechanisms, whatever, that are anti-memetic, okay. which means you can't remember They're them. They're not memorable. Yeah, They are adapted or designed or... They're an SCP Serendipitously, you, they're incapable of being remembered. Yeah. Is that what this episode was I like? I think so, because I watched it once because I sat down to take notes and Pippin sat on my lap and the rule in our house is you don't move the fucking cat. So there went my note taking. And uh, so the Rachel's rule in the house <laughs> is you don't move the fucking cat. So I was already, I was like, well, all right, I'm already watching it. So I guess I'll watch Forever Night. So I was watching the Forever Night and I'll, th that's when I came to the realization that I had in fact seen this episode, but I had no memory of anything but the flashback and didn't even really remember what happened in the flashback. Just remembered that Rasputin was in it. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, so I'll watch it with Matt. So Matt came back and I was like, all right, we'll watch it together, you know, in prep for watching this episode. And I put it back on and I was like, hot fucking damn it. I can't remember remember anything that happened my notes are like 14 pages long because i was like i'm not gonna be able to hold this it's like sand slipping yes. through my okay fingers. so in in the book there is yeah. no anti-memetics division a whole lot of the story happens by people reading something about one of these anti-memetic events while it's happening to them they're yeah. reading a record of it from the last time yeah. And so it's just in the moment, oh, okay, what I'm reading now is explaining some things that I've noticed, and I need to, like, assume that it's actively happening to me right now. And so that's usually when they, like, when they're actively reading it is when they can keep it in mind long enough right. that they can, like, defend themselves against the thing that's anti-memeing the well, I don't brain. think this is trying to kill me. I just think it's not a great episode of television. It's just benign. Yeah. And I was trying to think, like, is there an the episode tree. that is like this? Like another one where I was like, you could tell me the title. Maybe Hearts of Darkness, but that's just- Would you know? I would know because you could tell me the <laughs> title and there would be no- There'd be no folder. Reflex. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be no- I'll have to describe that. Um, you know, when someone tells you something- I don't know how it works for you. When you give me something that's like a trigger for a memory, I get like, okay, here's the folder. Here's the box with everything in it. I get like a video yeah. of an event that plays back. So you can ask me anything. It's in, If it's in the box, I've got it. But if you tell me the title and I 
there's the file has a reference to a box that's missing, then I, I don't, I can't, that, that would be obvious. The box is missing. Strings has no box. It still has no box. Every time I try to, every time I try to hold it, it just, just falls out. And as far as I can tell, the title strings means nothing. I puppet strings. Puppet strings. Puppet strings? Yeah, I think that's what we're going for. You don't that, remember. You probably don't even like remember what the episode is about, but it's literally like 16 storylines all about people who are being controlled by other people. Um, I remember that Natalie poorly explains exposure therapy. Yeah. Well, Natalie should have a podcast called Explain Things Badly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of them. It's just... But at this, I just, okay, well, we're, we'll talk about it when we get there, but there's so many storylines and they're all saying the same thing. And I think that's why it's like, whoa. But the twist is you can't remember what any of the stories are saying. Exactly. I mean, which sort of works out because hypnotism is part of the thing, part of the ooh, thing. Ooh, ooh, that's oh, a nice angle. No, is this like one? It's a subliminal big... programming. Oh, episode neuro-linguistic programming is that what yeah, this show is the twist is the viewer is being reprogrammed oh shit well now it's a better episode to watch more forever night maybe you have seen this episode hundreds of times it's possible it's like just like christy black in this episode, which is the one tiny, her name is the one tiny bit of levity that we try for in this whole episode. That's not thick on the ground, okay? Plot isn't thick on the ground. Levity isn't thick on the ground. Clues, direction, um, character development. Engagement. <laughs> Just, okay. So before we shit on this anymore, <laughs> we should probably get started. So we start with this woman exiting a bus. Exits a bus. Scene. <laughs> like we open, a bus pulls out, this woman rolls out. This is a novel situation in a city with adequate public transportation. I know. I'm amazed. There's a bus and people ride it. I don't know. I'm, I'm, already, I'm already engaged. This is the most interesting part of the entire episode. And she's smiling at somebody. It doesn't really matter. She takes a couple of steps away from the bus, and then a car turns its light on, lights on, and she's like, oh, I've never seen a car do that before. And then this car just runs straight at her and hits her, like, straight on, throws her through this plate glass window in slow motion into a store display, and then the mannequins look on in horror, literally, Literally look on in close ups on every mannequin of the mannequins as she gets shot. At first, I thought one of the mannequins was the person wearing a mannequin mask. (laughs) That would have been really that would that would have been interesting. That would have been memorable, but no, it's just somebody shooting her. Yeah, I thought the last face, the one with the hoodie on, was the killer. But no, no, I was wrong. You were incorrect. I was misled. Yeah, so was everybody. So then we go straight into the intro. Congratulations, that's it. That's how the fuck it starts. Yeah. Then we come back and woo, it's a crime scene. Go figure. Because she got hit by a car. She got shot. Okay, it's a crime scene. So guess who's at the crime scene? Our favorite dynamic duo, Tracy and Nick. And Tracy Mm, walks over. Second favorite. Oh, you had really? (sighs) You stole the wind from my sails. (laughs) So Tracy walks over to the car. Speaking of the inferior partner, (laughs) Tracy walks over (laughs) to the car and she's like, 
she licks her finger, rubs it on the car, and she's like, er, er, stolen. That looks stolen. This car looks stolen. And Nick's like, maybe they jammed the ignition. And she's like, meh, we'll, we'll ask vehicle thefts tomorrow, see what they say about it. <laughs> it's like when your mom just feels, feels like something is a certain way. Yeah, mostly chicken. Is that chicken done? It doesn't feel done. And I don't mean feel like she touches it. I mean, like you, she you looks at it. You stick a thermometer in, it's 170 it. degrees in the center of the yeah. chicken breast. I just don't feel don't like, feel it's, like done. it's done. That's because it's not dry as old boots, but that's fine. Okay. So then Tracy gets Onward a and upward. call from her from her dad, and she's like, uh, "Dad, I'm at work." <laughs> I hope to do this to my children someday. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Natalie. No, because they have caller ID. They'll just ignore you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'll I'll get a uh I'll block my number. Oh, okay. You'll, on yeah, because they're hack gonna... their phones. <laughs> you put yourself in as something else. <laughs> so. Natalie hears her on the phone because Nick walks away as soon as she's on the phone. He walks towards Natalie and Natalie goes, uh-oh, trouble at home. I've got, I've got to go. Okay, uh-oh, trouble at home. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. We never would have gotten that without that hot take. Really appreciate that. And the, But as soon as Tracy gets close, Natalie drops the tood. She is done sassing Tracy as soon as tra- Tracy it's, comes over. It's the hair fluff. She is exceptionally fluffy in this episode. I don't know. We, You know what? We couldn't keep anything fucking consistent. But the <laughs> fact that her part is an inch above her ear, left ear. Yeah, it's, that's where her part always is. Yeah, and it's not her whole hair. It's just like it fans out from this one spot. Uh, like, uh, I don't know. Maybe she'll didn't look good or the, no. the hairdresser thought she didn't look good with a center part. I am not sure what this choice was because I think we discussed this at length in season one, mm-hmm. because even when she has her hair pulled back in season one, it's pulled back with like the part on the, the side part on the side. But she had like a hard line parted. The only thing I can think of is she has a wider face. It's not, like she's still a beautiful woman, but her face is wider. And so on the camera, if you put the part in the middle, it would emphasize the width of her face. Whereas if you put it on the side and you give her this like long fluff it around the breaks side, any kind of well, it ends up like framing her face mm-hmm. in a way that's very consistent. It doesn't give you like a like a division. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know, because in other properties that she's in, she has normal hair and she has a normal hair part. So I don't know why just Natalie, for whatever reason, in the morning, every morning when she was blow drying her hair, her head slumped to the left. She blew (laughs) blow her hair dry. It's because of the working nights. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. I bet she's tired when she's doing her hair and she she just leans her head over. She uses one of those hair dryers where you put the helmet, like the hood on and then you lay back down. Except she always lays down on her one side. And so when she wakes up her hair, she's like, fine, it looks great. I mean, it looks it looks fine. It just, it's, it's a unique It's exceptionally choice. voluminous it's in this episode. It's the commitment to this hairstyle that just gets me. Because Nick's hair is widely varied. It's short. It's long. It's trimmed. It looks like he stuck his finger in a socket. It's, it runs the gamut. 
Tracy even gets like shorter bangs, longer hair. It varies. Vashon, I guarantee you, is wearing a wig. It's, even, <laughs> <laughs> it's not even. It's not he even. He has to be wearing discussion. a wig. Although, okay, well, we'll talk about that when we get to fever. But yeah, he has to be wearing a wig, so he's not even part of this discussion. But it's the commitment to the location of her part that has baffled me for decades. And will continue to baffle me unless if you were the hairstylist from the show and you want to drop me a note, uh, you can email us anytime at thehosts at strangeandbeautiful.club. And that will go straight to me. So can I recommend a solution, a potential closure for this problem? What? You're going to see Kathy in nine days. I'm not asking Kathy about her hair. Look, at listen. You can ask her. Did you do that, or did they do that to you, Kathy? I have 17 questions for you, Kathy. I, I've been waiting, Lightning round. I've been waiting two hours in line. <laughs> I've just paid you $50 to sign this thing. Can you answer a couple of questions, and can you adopt me and help me move to Canada? I love you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not... Well, you know what? The best I'm hoping for is that we don't do what we did to Gare. That's the, all I'm hoping. Well, I won't be there to save the day. I know. And Meg and I have discussed this at length that you, I, <laughs> I have strongly considered pinning something to my shirt that's like, if I am non-responsive, it's because I love you so much. <laughs> Please remove and answer questions that are written down on this piece of paper. <laughs> anyway, after Natalie has her little sassy, uh-oh. Trouble at home. Tracy comes over and Natalie's like, <clears throat> okay, so this lady, her name was Helen Neary. Um, they're looking up her next of kin right now. And Nick is like, oh, okay, so she died on impact. And Natalie is literally like, <laughs> I doubt it. Natalie, are you okay? Why is she giddy? Why are you, are oh, you okay? I have an idea. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> They got the semi semi annual cocaine bag. Oh, maybe I don't know, but she's like, I doubt it. She was <laughs> shot five times. She could have gotten hit by the car and then been dead, and they just shot her out of like spite. That could have been a rage thing. There's literally no reason to assume that she didn't die on impact just because she also got shot. She could have gotten shot and then hit by the car. Eh, whatever. And Tracy's like, okay, so is it a robbery? Like, are we missing anything? Could it be a hit? And Nick is like, how many hired killers do you know who soften up their kills by hitting them with cars first? Well, I, I, I don't know. It could be Tony hits people with his car first. <laughs> the hit and run man. <laughs> That's a huge assumption. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Hired hitman has ever hit anyone with a car? That's unprofessional. Hasn't Nick been hit by a car because someone was trying to kill him? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like a contract killer was trying to kill him and so they hit him with a car and he was like, psych, that didn't fucking work. I I'm pretty sure that's like a modus operandi, the hit and run. The like, okay, I've vehicular manslaughter is like a legit thing. Okay, anyway. Every time they make these blanket statements, they're like, no, no hired hitman would ever hit someone with a car and then get out and shoot them. <laughs> yeah, that's not, 
we could have just not had that. It could have been like, well, we'll look into it, but I don't, this just looks like a, it doesn't look profesh, right? They left the car. They used a low caliber bullet. I don't know what to tell you. And then they walk away. After Nick makes that pronouncement and Tracy is like, you're right. I'm an idiot. I'm so sorry. I thought of that. And then you shot me down and I, you're, you're the superior being in this situation. So clearly, you know what you're talking about. And Nick is like, yeah, of course I do. So what about, the, what's this, uh, what's with the, what's with your dad? And Tracy's like, do you know anything about corporate crimes division? And Nick must know that a change is coming and he must be feeling sad because he's wearing a vest. To brace himself. And I don't think we've seen him wear a vest since Skanky died. And he tells her, oh, it's white collar crime. It's a good career move. I mean, corporate crimes division is like, fine. It's legit. I don't, it's okay. And she's like, yeah, my dad really wants to, to transfer there. And he goes, okay, but well, what do you want? And she goes, I don't know. But this is really weird because we say, I don't know. And we literally transition out of this scene as she's saying, I don't know. So we almost don't catch the end of the sentence. It's like she tripped and they couldn't redo it. And so they were just like, well, fucking cut it there. It's yeah, fine. Just fade the... The flashback over it. I don't know. It's weird. But then they go straight from that to they're headed to notify Helen's son. And Nick actually has his little pad out, which is cute because he's trying to be a cop. Oh, yeah. We don't get the flashback till later. Never mind. No, no. No, we don't get the flashback. Well, we get it soon, but we don't get it for a while. But he's walking with his little like police pad, like he's reading it. I don't even think there's anything written on it. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, I'm a good cop it's, too. It's See, just, TM. It's reflex. It's... uh. That's yeah. part of his beard. Every once in a while, he'll pull it out and he'll write in it or whatever. But it's probably just a list that's like, okay, yep, all right. So you saw that guy go down there, okay? And he's writing like lettuce, coffee Don't beans. bite people. Don't bite people. <laughs> Don't bite people. <laughs> but they go to notify the son. And, and there's also a daughter, but Records is having a hard time tracking down the daughter. And Tracy's like, ugh. I hate notifications. And Nick goes, yeah, everybody does. Like, who likes telling people that their loved one is dead? Literally nobody. But they knock on the door, and this part cracks me up. They knock on the door, and Hearts of Darkness from Dying for Fame starts playing. Is that the Rockstar episode? That's the Rockstar episode, the the music video. Yeah. The, the episode-long music video, but the one that she gets in trouble with. because Oh, no, that's Fan Kill. But yeah. this is one of the songs that she plays, and it's called Heart of Darkness. And it starts playing as soon as they knock on the door. And so they, like, go through. Like, it's supposed to be this, ooh, look, they're being such proactive cops. They're searching this place. They broke down the door, and they're doing it all to rock music. But we still don't want to license any rock music, so we'll just drag up that old <laughs> tune from that Fred already signed okay, over. Okay, so I have a problem with this. They arrive at this door yeah, to perform a notification sure. that a family member has passed away, and they are the next of kin. They knock on the door, announce, this is police officers, yeah. please open the door. Maybe not the best wording, but whatever. They hear some scuffling, like, I don't know, whatever noises inside. Yeah. But no one comes to open the door. Yeah. So they're 
immediate next course of action is to kick in the door, guns drawn. You're here for a family death notification. Yeah, but he could have killed her. Well, we know it wasn't a professional. It wasn't a professional hit because she got hit with a car first. And so we know for sure this was an amateur and it could have been. I would say they successfully hit the victim six times. Five bullets, one car. Yeah. That's a pretty high success rate. Well, it's five bullets. You would expect. Okay. I don't know. It's. I always say that like I'm, a, I'm an expert. Like, you know, you would expect for two. What, what would you expect, Rachel? <laughs> Not five bullets. Like execution style. Like you hit her with the gun. You knock. You hit her with the car. You knock her down. You shoot her in the head. You're done. Five bullets. Five make sure excessive. it's done. It does. Okay, double tap, right? Double tap, make sure. Quintuple tap? Quintuple tap yeah. is like, you talk about, it, like, so I used to work in manufacturing. There's a whole thing called Six Sigma. It's like a statistics reference to six standard deviations um, off the mean yeah. of, like, failures in manufacturing and you get like five not like 99.999 percent success rate okay five bullets feels like five sigma of hitman okay like standard you were like she ain't going to get back up right it's okay. like bang I mean- bang probably good bang 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 there's <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like one in a million chance. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So anyway, the bro has dipped. He's like, okay, the cops, I'm out. And so they come in. They do the like, we're scanning. We're looking all over the place to our rock music. And then they get in his room and the window's open. And Tracy's like, oh, shit. And he went out the window. Then they look no further. <laughs> They're like, well, that's all. It's Nick like- could have zoomed out the window. He could have gone around. Look, they have the a block. problem with windows, okay? Because in the last episode, they found a broken window with blood Nick on it. Nick only goes in the win- apartment windows. No, he's gone out windows before. It's a rare thing. Remember the scene in he season mostly one goes... where he saw his feet go out the window? <laughs> <laughs> he most he learned his lesson. Okay. <laughs> Gary was like, he was like that, that was so stupid. embarrassing. I never want to look like a fool like that again. Well, plus Tracy's standing right there. What can he do? What can you do when you have he, to deal with people? If he really wanted to go out of the window, he'd just say, hey, Tracy, what's that behind you? <laughs> <She'd be> like, <laughs> and he'd jump out the window. How did he get out so fast? <laughs> no, it's... There's no reason to chase... They don't know why he ran. There's no, like... They, they can find information here, which is why he stays. He's like, oh, look at that. He appears to have left out the window. Well, I guess we're just, well, we're already in here. I'm just going to paw my bare hands over all this paper and stuff. <laughs> uh, it's called an informal look around is what he calls it. And so they're <laughs> standing, they're like poking around in his stuff. Tracy gets a phone call. She answers it because there's no screen. She doesn't know it's her dad. And, of course, it's her dad. And she's like, oh, god damn it, dad. I'm still at work. 
And he's he must say something about the corporate crimes division because she's like, I haven't made a decision yet, Dad. I am capable of running my own life. Might I say, her accent is pretty thick this episode. Well, a little bit. That's yeah. okay. It's a Canadian show. It's fine. And yeah. so she leans on the dresser. She like arm leans on the dresser. She licks her palm, rubs it around a little bit. And then she finds a letter and she's like fidgeting with the letter. <laughs> yeah, as she's like playing with yeah. the paper. But the sentence, dad, I am capable of running my own life is triggering for Nick. And it sends him into a flashback. And in my notes, I was like, ah, Rasputin flashback. Because I was like, oh, ah, yes, I have seen this move, this episode before. And it is Tsar Nicholas. And he's talking to Nikolai, who would be our Nick, about how his wife is under the sway of this weird monk. Because their son Alexei is sick. And she's worried about him. And this guy showed up and said he can help. And so now he has way too much power. And the czar tells Nick, it is said a friend gained through the gaming table is the truest friend. Okay. What were they doing? What gaming table are we talking? Was Nick playing poker and just hypnotizing everybody? And then he was like, well, I like that one. I think I'll keep that one. What was he? Was he in a gambling den? What was he doing? Maybe they were playing chess. Well, when Zarina Alexandra shows up, she's like, oh, are you guys swapping stories about the card tables again? Uh, it was probably poker, though. Yeah, it was probably. It was some card game, apparently. They met. Like, why would you throw this in there? I guess to be like, here's how we met. Yeah. Origin know. story. Here's sure. how our Nick met the Tsar <laughs> of Russia. Because <laughs> Tsarina Alexandra shows up and Rasputin's like creeping behind her. He's he's uh, he's nasty. He does a good job he, as Rasputin. Yeah, he's yeah. he's sweaty looking. Kudos. He's he looks he looks damp. He looks, <laughs> he, looks like, he looks like he probably smells. <laughs> and like, I was like, good on you. Rasputin is gross. So Rasputin shows up and Tsarina's like, oh, I'd like you to meet my very good friend, Rasputin. Rasputin looks at Nick and Nick looks at Rasputin. Rasputin's eyes turn green. So they like vampire vibe. And it's like, oh, no. Rasputin's a vampire? Holy shit. This is better than the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> this is the highlight of the episode. This it's all downhill from it's here. Because <laughs> Tracy's like, holy shit. Her daughter is Christy Black. This guy's sister is Christy Black. And Nick goes. Here's the running joke of the entire episode. I know. Like season two had running themes and skanky subplots. This one is like, this is as close as we get. It's like a Tracy subplot. Because she's like, holy shit, she's Christy Black. And Nick goes, who? The singer. Uh, the singer. And he's like, oh, okay. I can't believe this. Nick, this letter is from Christy Black. She's his sister. Christy who? Christy Black, the singer. And then he's like, well, is that a letter? Is there a return address? And she like nods at him. And so then they run off. Do, 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 do. They show up at this mansion. And this dude answers the door. And 
he they introduce themselves and they're like, can we talk to Christy Black? And he's like, well, that's going to be a hard pass for me because I'm her therapist and I'm in charge of literally everything about her life right now. And this house doubles as a clinic. So she's under my care. I own her. I mean, I'm helping her. I'm, I'm helping her. And if you need to discuss anything with her, you can discuss it with me because I'm her therapist. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, why is she here? Why is she living with you? And he's like, well, she requires constant supervision. She's trying to rebuild her life. And Tracy goes, oh, that's right. It was drugs, wasn't it? And this is the nice little, you know, some of these episodes, if you exclude some of the costume and hair choices, feel fairly timeless. And then every once in a while, we get a depiction that you're like, wow, it's the 90s and I feel like I'm a child again. (laughs) (laughs) They did not know how to deal with people who had substance abuse disorder. They were like, I'm pretty sure they're all crazy and fragile and uh, just willing to murder people for the first person that will help them get like it was just this. She is the weirdest depiction of someone who has substance abuse disorder. And like we've had characters that have drug problems before and we didn't depict them this way. But she's like a baby child. Like the drugs have taken her maturity. I I don't know. It's really weird. How did you feel about the way that her like art quote drug addict is depicted in this movie in this episode? It's not good. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's implies that the the drugs like strip everything from you and like I, I all mean, your agency not. and autonomy they just I, I don't know this was just such a weird because they walk in the house and she's sitting in a chair and she has these headphones on and she's watching she's these... too zombie is yeah what it is, it's where i would expect that someone in treatment that is currently sober would have more emotion and well we handled addiction so well in feeding the beast Mm -hmm. when we have carrie ann moss's character who is manipulative to get what she wants right and that is actually handled not horrible and then it's like they forgot and they right you'd expect the person to be more energetic and having to like be like restraining themselves from participating in the kinds of habits that they've built up that support and like encourage their drug seeking behavior. Yeah, I don't But here we just get she's in treatment, so she's a zombie. Right. Because she got well, it's supposed to be that she's fallen in with the wrong crowd. Like she's gotten the wrong therapist. He's the one that wealthy people hire. But he's just an exposure therapist. And so if her underlying issues. Well, he's not even doing exposure therapy. No. He's. Well, he's using her to kill everybody. I mean, right. That's. Yeah. But if he is an exposure therapist, there's certain types of mental disorders that like that is never going to work and will, in fact, make it worse. And it's just. I don't know. It's just like a. 
it's not that it's okay. How do I want to describe this? It just feels like a fundamental misunderstanding of substance abuse disorder treatment, um, what it does to people, uh, the types of people that fall into substance abuse disorder. And it kind of takes me out of the episode every time I watch it because we could have given her literally any other backstory. She could have had a nervous breakdown. She could have had um, literally anything. Her her boyfriend kills himself, or maybe she kills him, depending on how you want to look at the ending. Um, and she lost it. And instead they're like, well, yeah, of course, it was the drugs. Instead of like, well, she could have had, like, she could have completely disassociated and had a mental, like, just like a mental breakdown where she literally could not cope with real life anymore. And that would have made more sense. It would have made more sense. It just wouldn't have tied her to her brother in the way they want her to be tied to her brother. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was my soapbox and I'll put it away. Um, we're not going to discuss it anymore, but just know I'm not happy with the way that substance abuse disorders depicted in this episode. But we're going to move on because it's the 90s and they weren't trying. They just, they didn't have the language. Like we'll we'll see in the 90s episode, the 90s episode. <laughs> The 80s episode, <laughs> which is the next one. They were trying the single to, 90s episode. They're trying to say something without having the language that we have sort of established for saying it. Right. Where we are now in 2023. Yeah. It's not where they 30 were. 30 years later of people trying all different kinds of ways of talking about the problem. Yeah. And the ones that don't work get discarded. But this is before they've been discarded. Yeah, it's so, just, yeah. It so feels like that. Yeah, that. We are exposed to this like very whittled down list of these are like productive ways of communicating about these kinds of problems. Yeah. But they're kind of at the beginning of that. Even the, uh, even dying to know you where she's an alcoholic, that's treated with more aplomb. Right, but they're just throwing out yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they don't okay. have any experience yeah. no, I hear of what I ideas are good or not. I just wanted to get it out there that I have feelings. And I wanted to express them. And I did, and now we can be fun. So they walk into the house, and she's sitting in this chair, and she's got headphones on, and she's watching old tapes of her family. And we get this moment of like, which is like Nick's super hearing. Like, but he doesn't hear anything. And then it cuts off as soon as the guy stops the tape. Like he almost oh, hears yeah. what's on, like he's trying to hear what's on the headphones. Yeah. But he can't. And she's got this on the table next to her are like four pill bottles, like, yeah, it's like five a tray vials, of medication and stuff. A tourniquet and syringes. And they're like, well, this is a clinic. So that feels safe. <laughs> but um, Christy Black is. He comes over and he's like, Christy, these people are here to see you. And so she starts hitting herself on the head. And the psychologist or psychiatrist, whatever, McGee, says, uh, that's enough now. You need to listen to the detectives. Like he's her big daddy psychiatrist and he gets to boss her around because she's this poor addled brained heroin addict. Tracy and Nick are like, okay, we got to inform her. Let's go. And so they're like, Miss Black, um, your mother had an accident. She got hit by a car. <laughs> she fell on five bullets. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> they don't tell her. They don't tell her anything about it. They're just like, she had an accident. Your mother is dead, Miss Black. And I was just like, an accident. Right. Okay. And McGee is like, okay, cool. Is there anything else? And Tracy is still addressing Christy Black, which actually this episode does one thing right, which is it gives us something to like cheer about for Tracy's character because Tracy actually gets to um, hold her own and have this tiny moment of of character revelation in this episode. But she never really talks to McGee when she's asking questions. She's usually, if Christy's in the room, she's addressing Christy. And she says, do you know why your brother wouldn't want to talk to the police? And Christy's like, no, but can I go get a glass of water? And so she asks her therapist, McGee, can I go get a glass of water? And he's like, yeah, but be quick. And so he, she gets up to leave and she stops as she's passing Nick and she goes, my mother. How? My mother. How? I keep fucking with this character. <laughs> and Nick's like, oh, uh, it was a hit and run. And McGee's like, no, run along water <laughs> and and so they turn to him after she leaves and they're like oh tracy goes the whole drug thing started after her boyfriend uh gary wilton committed suicide at pier five thank you tracy that was a lot of information thank you for sticking all of that in a sentence <laughs> the drug thing started she had her had a boyfriend his name was gary wilton he committed suicide at pier five she covered a lot of what we're going to need to know for the very end all in one sentence so thanks so much and McGee is like, yeah, but she would have gone down without that because they had hit rock bottom together. He's like, heroin, you name it. They did everything. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And he actually addresses them, which every time that he talks to them, he's like probing them for information about like what they know. And he just goes, any leads? And Nick's like, yeah, it was murder. How's that for a lead? And he's like, oh, um, uh-oh, she seems to be taking too long getting water. And so he runs out to go figure out what's going on. And oh, no, she dipped. So McGee and Tracy and Nick, God, so much happens in this episode. And yet nothing happens. And I don't know how that's possible, but here we are. So McGee, Tracy, and Nick all go out the door. And Nick looks at Tracy and he's like, go on, go with your friend. Go over that way. And so... Tracy and McGee run off in one direction. He takes like two steps in the other direction and then he just takes off into the air. And he eats off to where he can hear her chanting because she's like, center yourself, center yourself, center yourself, center yourself as she's walking down this road. So she attempts to center herself on the road. Yeah, because a car is coming and she steps in front of the car. And Nick stops her, luckily, and then she's like, what, what, what happened? What happened? <laughs> This actress pulls off the I mean, emotional part. She's sad. She's yeah. sad the whole episode. She's fucking sad. So sad. She does a good job. She doesn't not do a good job, but the only thing they gave her was like, okay, now I think in this scene, you'd be sad. Maybe you'd be angry sad. Sad well, she, sad. She gets the one scene sad. where she has to go from sad to mad, kind of angry and determined. But in a sad way. There's a little bit of a range there. Yeah. Okay. So then Tracy and McGee run up because they went the other way, but apparently they went around in a circle and they both ended up on the road. I don't know how that works. And they run up to Nick. It's a cul-de-sac. It's a cul-de-sac. <laughs> exactly. They 
they just they they ran around the edge of the cul-de-sac on the sidewalk. (laughs) (laughs) And Christy Black apologizes. She's like, please help me. I don't know what to do. Okay. And then we cut to McGee talking to them. And McGee is like, oh, because we go back. I don't know. He got her. He put tucked her into bed, gave her some milk and cookies. I don't fucking know. And so he's he's like, Matthew Neary. Oh, no. No, we don't go back. I'm sorry. This is Reese. We leave there. That's it. He's like, I- I'm going to take her. I'm going to go get her settled down. It's going to be fine. I'm going to use that tourniquet and one of the whole vials that I had laying around to give to her. So they head back to the precinct. And they've looked up the brother in the meantime, and it turns out he was into drugs, quote unquote, just like Christy Black, which might explain why he ran away because he could have been holding. Oh, and maybe his mom cut his allowance short and that's why he killed her. Because if you are someone with substance abuse disorder uh, in the 90s, you are guilty of something. We just haven't figured out what to pin on you yet. Right. So they put out an APB for him. Okay, great. And so Reese is like, well, what was the sister's name again? And Tracy goes, Carrie Black, Christy Black, the singer. And Reese goes. So now it's Reese's turn to have unless, no idea what Tracy's talking unless about. Unless she sings the anthems at hockey games. I don't know who she is. What was the sister's name again? Christy Black. The singer. Unless she sings the anthems in hockey games, I don't know her. And then Reese and Nick share a look like, <laughs> she's so cute when she thinks she knows pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> and they decide to leave Ka- Christy Black with the doctor for now because all of that felt legit, secure, clinical, like he really had her best interests in mind. You could tell how at one o'clock in the morning she was sitting next to a table full of drugs watching a video <laughs> on silent with, with headphones her fucking on. headphones on. And the first opportunity she got, she ran away and tried to kill herself. So clearly things are going well. She's in the right fucking place. Okay. So she he's got this. <laughs> <laughs> the moment she was like free, she ran away. So obviously she needs 24 hour monitoring <laughs> at a mental health facility. facility. She's already in the perfect spot. Oh God. <laughs> yes. I mean, didn't you see his couch furniture? I have seen this furniture at Goodwill. That's why every time I saw it, it just cracked me up because it's supposed to be like the super expensive mansion and then he has the shittiest, like the shittiest furniture. So funny. Anyway, I love set dressing and I love seeing what choices they made for set dressing. Like, are you trying to convince me? Because later they sit on the couches. So they were designed to be interacted with. Sometimes there are choices and sometimes there are compromises and sometimes there's just whatever we fucking have to make it work i wonder at what point in the season we knew we were gonna get canceled like i wonder at what point in filming they knew they were done because this episode feels when skanky got on the plane real real fucking safe 
it feels mm. real safe. Like we're trying to say something, but we're trying to say something in a way. Oh, like they're trying to sell themselves to yeah. a studio. Because we talk season. about season one is experimental, season two is safe, and then season three is corporate. And this feels real safe corporate. Like we're trying to look like we're tackling an issue. We went a little far with the police brutality. Maybe there was a little bit of lash for that. So we kind of ditched having any kind of a meaningful message for a while. And this episode, we're trying to have a meaningful message, but is it? Is it? And then next episode, we're like, AIDS, y'all. We're going to talk about AIDS. (laughs) So it really feels like they got the news and they were like, gloves are fucking off gloves are off because in the penultimate episode we have a trans character well we'll discuss that when we get there because this is a it's a complicated 90s depiction it's really difficult to quantify what they're trying to go for and we will have fun debating that but it does really feel like they went full fuck it gloves are off but this episode is really safe because we're like, oh, look, Nick is controlled by LaCroix and Tracy's controlled by her dad and Zarina is controlled by Rasputin and blah, blah, blah. Everybody's controlled by somebody. Well, of course, we fucking knew that. We've spent three seasons watching LaCroix tug all of Nick's strings. On Instagram, I posted a single frame from this really long Twitter thread where this lady broke down why LaCroix is the world's greatest and longest running troll and I was trying to read it to Matt and I was laughing so hard I fucking lost it I'll see if I can post a link to it although you can't watch you can't look at the whole thread if you don't log in so Jesus but anyway if you can find it it's hysterical but we know it we know who LaCroix is we didn't need this episode to tell us that but it's fine it's fine it's fine. So Reese actually stops Tracy. He's like, Nick, you should probably go get started on some paperwork. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, head out the fucking door. And so Nick is like, cool, cool, paperwork. See you later. Bye-bye. So he walks out the door and Tracy is getting ready to leave and Reese stops her. And he's like, hold on. Your dad called and informed me that you will be transferring to corporate crime. And Tracy's like, this wasn't my idea, Captain. And Reese is like, okay. I mean, that's fine, but you could have told me this was happening. Like, I get it. Your dad's a little overbearing. I'm the cool, cool boss. I'm not like a real boss. I'm a cool boss. I'm understanding. (laughs) I've seen all these reels or short videos of, I'm a millennial manager. And... Take your sick days. I'm a millennial manager. Yeah, go run errands in the middle of the day. I mean, let's be real. This is still Reese trying to stay on Tracy's good side, so she can't can stay. So he can stay on Tracy's dad's good side. Yeah, because ultimately she's the voice that will will be contacting her dad about what's going on, and so he wants to look good in her eyes, and that's fine. He's also acting friendly, like. Like, I get it. Sometimes shit happens to you and you don't have any control over it. And I don't understand it. In fact, one of the running plot lines of my life is that I don't understand things. (laughs) (laughs) But he tells her, like, this will be a good move career-wise. I mean, I get it. 
you don't want to go just because your dad says you, you should go. But I want everyone here to be here because they want to be here. I don't want you to be here because you're just trying to stick it to daddy. And Tracy's like, cool, I get that. I respect you, Cap. And then we go to the morgue. And Natalie has apparently still been hitting the, no, no, the <laughs> the allotment of morgue cocaine that they sent over from from lockup or whatever, because she's like, well, you know, Ellen probably would have made it if she'd had a good enough field surgeon or, you know, field whatever and a good surgeon. But the bullets to the chest sort of settled the issue. <laughs> Helen Neary might have lived if she'd had good field care and a great surgeon, but the five shots into her chest sort of settled the issue. 32 automatic. What the fuck is wrong with you? What's wrong with her in this episode? Every once in a while, she is gleefully ambivalent about death. And it makes you wonder about the type of person that's like, oh, a vampire. Yeah, we could work together. I could make this happen. <laughs> but Nick asks Natalie about Ben McGee, the psychiatrist. He's like, do you know who she is? Well, first he, well, he asks about McGee first. And then he says, you know, she, he works with Christy Black. And Natalie goes, Who? And Nick goes, the singer? And she's like, I don't know who that is. And he goes, yeah, I don't know who that is either. (laughs) (laughs) Dig number three on Tracy. Yeah. (laughs) But Natalie has heard of him. And she's like, well, he ain't great. Um, He's sort of a rich person psychiatrist. You go to him. If you're not crazy, you're eccentric. And Nick is like, oh, okay. Like, what does he do? Why do we not like him? And she goes, well, imagine you're afraid of elevators. And there's two schools of thought. We figure out why you're afraid of elevators. We treat the underlying fear, and then you're no longer afraid of elevators. Or we just put you in an elevator until you are so, like, over your fear of elevators just through exposure that you can now ride elevators. But we don't actually deal with the underlying fear. And I don't feel comfortable with you not dealing with the underlying fear because it could come back as other neuroses. Okay, so this is where she explains like the exposure therapy badly because the the thing with like fear of elevators is is, like a generalized anxiety which is physiologically similar to fear except fear has a specific like target whereas anxiety is just there's nothing that you can actually identify as the problem you just feel it as like a reflex and so the exposure therapy is to teach you not that the thing isn't worth being afraid of or feeling anxiety about, but you're actually strong enough to handle it when it comes up. Right. So I, either way, you're you're not like attacking the symptom. You're not like numbing yourself to right. to the fear. You're learning that you can handle it. Right. Well, then she goes on to say that he's a whiz at hypnotism. And chemical conditioning. So there you go. She figured she solves the crime. Like, she's like, <laughs> she's like, oh yeah, he could give her drugs and then he could hit. This should have been some something. foreshadowing. It was fucking foreshadowing. It wasn't yeah. foreshadowing. It was just like they wrote it up on the blackboard for later. Like <laughs> he hypnotized her using chemical conditioning. The end. Right. What would a bad therapist do? Oh, he'd just take oh. advantage of them. Oh, okay. Well, that's exactly what he fucking does. And then she goes on to say that she's a treat the disease sort of person. 
which is real, real rich for the lady who's been like, Nick, use a tanning bed. Nick, here's some vitamin A. Nick, take these Attacking garlic pills. each individual symptom. Nick, here's some garlic pills. Nick, try to eat food. Don't drink blood. The one time she has attempted to address the actual disease was when she gave him that. The fix. The fix. Yeah, the fix episode. And we all see how that worked out. Well, I mean, in all fairness, what she works in a morgue. She doesn't have any kind of like. She has nothing. She has no equipment to use to try right. to. To be fair to Natalie, she needed to refine the treatment. And Nick just straight up injected the entire needle all at once, <laughs> specifically against her medical advice. Right. So it had potential, but Nick fucked it up. Fucked it up. He fucked it up. But it's so traumatizing, this whole discussion of therapy. That <laughs> Nick's like, oh, therapy. It's like it's set into a flashback. <laughs> and it's him giving the Zarina a doll for Anastasia. And she's like, oh, thank you. And he's like, oh, I saw it in the market. And I thought of you guys. I I, I killed its owner and I took it from her. <laughs> <laughs> and she's thankful. It belongs to my after dinner snack. <laughs> Maybe it was Daniel's. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. So he goes, we are grateful. She says, we are grateful for your friendship. And he's like, well, why are you so sad? Everybody in this episode sad. So why are you sad? And she says, you know, the world is no longer the world that I knew. And I fear for our survival. And then Rasputin pops up out of the bushes. He's like, <laughs> I don't imagine he smelled him coming. I don't know. <laughs> he must make that like slurk, slurk sound when he walks <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just makes a squelch noise and when he walks. Exactly. And it's just the moisture in his shoes. Right. <laughs> she says, so Nick is like, Nick's like, so about Rasputin though? And she's like, no, no, no. Do not speak ill of him. And Nick's like, well, hold on. Does Alexi have the following symptoms? Like, like he's one of those um, drug advertisements. I don't know. If you're not in the U.S., in the U.S., it's legal to advertise for prescription medication. And so they'll list out symptoms and then be like, ask your doctor about this medication. And so Nick is like, okay, well, does he have the following symptoms? Is he weak? Yep. Pale? Yep. His bones ache? Yep. Fevers? Yep. Bright lights hurt his eyes? Yep. Is he always thirsty? Yep. <laughs> and Nick is like... Yeah, he's got what I think he does. And the Zarina's like, what? What is it? And he's like, oh, you know, it's a thing that I'm familiar with. What? Is there like a transitional period where you're weak and your bones hurt, but you're also kind of a vampire? What the shit? Maybe, maybe uh, that's what happens if you continuously feed off of someone, but don't turn them into a vampire. Maybe. Yeah, because Nick is like, well, there's a cure, but only up to a certain point. And this is when Rasputin arrives. And he's like, without the me, Alexi would already be dead. He's <laughs> Nobody has a Russian accent. Fingers. Nobody even has a pretend Russian accent. <laughs> I had a better Russian accent than everyone else in this flashback, including Nick, who we know can do a decent Russian flashback. Because as Meg and I just watched an episode of this show called Diamonds, where he plays a Russian ballerina. <laughs> You are a beautiful lady. <laughs> <laughs> I am beautiful too. <laughs> beautiful people should be together. 
Don't you think so? <laughs> it's the most... Okay, I can't. <sighs> that episode was also weird and slightly boring, but Gare gets you through it, and honestly, this is about the same. So, he's like, there's a cure, but only to a certain point. And then they have a hypno-off where Nick is like, look in my eyes. And Rasputin's like, oh, look in my eyes. And they're like, you listen to me. No, you listen to me. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, I think I know. I think I know why Rasputin won this one. Okay. All right. So we've established that Res- Rasputin probably has moist clothing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we've also established previously that vampires can absorb blood through any orifice. Okay. okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. These are all established what, facts. What if what if Rasputin just keeps like his boots like literally full of blood <laughs> and then when he needs a little boost for he his hypnotism, he can slurp it up through his toes. God. Or are his toes an orifice? Is there if, if an opening down there? <laughs> if you're Rasputin, why not? <laughs> Nobody's disputing Rasputin. <laughs> because his hypnotism is so good. No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So he he engages his backup blood supply and he manages to yeah, out hypnotic. And Nick, Nick has no backup blood yeah, supply. Yeah, he doesn't have that kind of breath. He doesn't have a turbo boost. No, he doesn't. And then he's like, yeah, she's mine. I own her. And he goes, ever your servant, your highness. And then we go back. Well, to that's how he gets out of that conversation without getting uh, sentenced to death. Yeah. He's like, cool, cool. Rasputin's fine. Heard. Fine. Everything's fine. I'll be on my way. I'm going to go lurk in the other room for a bit. Just plug my nose trying to pretend Rasputin's not here. And we go back to the present. Of course we do, because what the fuck was happening in the past? <laughs> and then we're talking to McGee, and McGee's like, he's talking to Christy. Nobody else is there. It's just him and Christy. He's like, what were you thinking? And Christy's like, oh, I don't know. And he goes, did you think that killing yourself would make it better? And Christy's like, well, she was my mom, and I loved her, and I needed her. And he's like, no, you only need yourself. And accidents happen. Sometimes people get hit by cars and they fall on five bullets. It's a thing. It can happen. But you can't give up. You're not weak. All you've been through, all the work, the pain, that's not something a weak person could go through, is it? She's like, no, I'm really strong. And he's like, yeah, you're really strong. You're you're so strong. You want to put the headphones back on? She's like, fine. Yeah, we can do it again. Like, let's get back to my hypno conditioning, which I'm apparently doing. And he says, I'm only hard on you because you can take it. And it just reminded me of the quote from Margaret Atwood about male fantasies. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. Male fantasies, male fantasies. Is everything run by male fantasies? Up on a pedestal or down on your knees, it's all a male fantasy. That you're strong enough to take what they dish out or else too weak to do anything about it. Even pretending you aren't catering to male fantasies is a male fantasy. Pretending you're unseen, pretending you have a life of your own, that you can wash your feet and comb your hair, unconscious of the ever-present watcher peering through the keyhole. Peering through the keyhole in your own head if nowhere else. 
You are a woman with a man inside watching a woman. You are your own voyeur. <laughs> it was the, like, too weak to take it or strong enough to take whatever they dish out. That's all part of the fantasy. Mm -hmm. And that's what it felt like. It was like, you can take what I'm giving. You can take this. You can do this for me. You're strong. You're making progress because you're strong. And she ends up putting the headphones on and restarting the video because she's like, yeah, I'm strong. Yeah, I can do this. Let's let's get back at it. Will heal me with this re repetitive home movie that I'm watching over and over again that nobody questions ever. They're like, yeah, obviously I watch home videos to feel better about myself often on repeat, especially if it's somebody else. They're also themselves. not licensed therapists, <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> Like, this guy got a license? Like, it's hard? Like Well, like, it's hard. So how do you reason with someone who thinks they're always right? That's what Tracy's saying. Because she's talking to Nick. Because Nick is dealing with Rasputin having control over his friend in the past. And also with uh, McGee having control over Christy. And Nick is dealing, or Tracy is dealing with um her dad. <laughs> So she's like, sooner or later, you just give up and you let him have your way. But I really think people need to feel in control of their lives or a piece of you goes crazy. You can't reason with him. How do you reason with someone who thinks that they're always right? Sooner or later, you just give up. Let them have their way. People need to feel in control of their lives. If not, it's like a little piece of you goes crazy. And she even mentions, like, maybe that's why I go to my dad so often for, for advice, because I can't make decisions. He won't let me learn how. And Nick is like, oh, I feel this so fucking hard. <laughs> Oof. Like, it took me uh, 500 years to figure out how to make my own decisions. And I had to kill LaCroix, like, three times. <laughs> and then I go back to McGee's. You can't like, even kill your dad. So it's like, like McGee it's precinct morgue. McGee precinct morgue. McGee precinct morgue. We're back at McGee's. And they're talking to him because she's unavailable. And he's like, well, I mean, I'll help you as much as I can, but like, I'm not going to jeopardize her recovery because her recovery is utmost to me. Did you not see how I have an entire stack of her home videos? And they were like, oh my God. So like I heard, heard, but can you provide some info? And he spends a little bit of time shitting on Helen. Which is really interesting. He's like, well, she was an absentee mom. They all had ambivalent relations with her. Her brother was a drug, deadbeat drug user. Poor Christy Black. And they're like, okay, well, have you seen Matthew? Like, do you have any idea why he would have run? And he goes, oh, what? Matthew won't talk? He's a suspect. He's a suspect? He doesn't ever actually answer their questions. He just asks further questions about Matthew. Because they go, you said they fought. Was there physical violence? And he's like, he's a suspect? I know, Matthew. He's not a killer. And this reminded me of talking to my own mom. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt a little triggered for a minute because my mom can't answer questions to save her life. She just asks you clarifying questions. Like, my daughter wasn't feeling good the other day. She came out. I said, I said daughter, did you throw up? And immediately, mom had a panic attack and was screaming, did she throw up? And I couldn't hear what my daughter said. And this is kind of what this interview felt like. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we're trying to ask you about Matthew, but you're not being really helpful. You're actually being super sus. So good job on that. Like, this guy needs to learn to be better at crime. He is not covering it up very well. He literally has 
the recording of him saying, you're strong, you can shoot these people, you're strong, you can murder these people, just out and about. He doesn't, he doesn't fucking put it away. And these police officers have been there like 17 times today. But he does mention uh, that they've already worked through a lot of Christie's grief in his sessions. Like, she's pretty much already fine now, so... And Nick confronts him. He's like, yeah, so about your treatment techniques? So at least it's bothering him a little. It's a, it's like, n- like nibbling at the edges of, I don't feel great about this. Yeah, that this guy has a reputation for yeah. and just Mc- exploiting people. McGee's like, I don't know what you've heard, but I get results. So, And they're like, oh, the man says he gets results. That's a compelling argument. And then they get it. He hears the doorbell ring and he goes to his door because he's like, if you'll excuse me, I'm waiting for some deliveries. And then we hear a gunshot. And I warned you. And then Nick is like, oh, okay. How does Nick get out the door and cut him off on the motorcycle by flying in front of the motorcycle without anybody seeing him do that? It is like a circle in front of this guy's house. And so he's parked slightly around the circle with his like motorcycle. And Nick runs out. And lands in front of the motorcycle as if he flew in front of the motorcycle. Yeah, he hops from the door, like the stairs in front of the door, to in front of the motorcycle. But Unless Tracy was so preoccupied with making sure that McGee was okay, she didn't see her partner fly over. And then he's looking. He should have seen him land in front of the motorcycle. Well, he was looking down at the motorcycle to get it started all right well nick pops up and he ends up getting this guy basically and they take him back to the precinct because hey that's the next stop we go mcgee's house precinct morgue mcgee's house precinct morgue (laughs) like on repeat so we're back at the precinct and he's like i wasn't trying to shoot him i just don't like how he treats my sister so i shot in his general vicinity And they're like, well, it kind of feels like he's helping her. And he goes, yeah, like any rehab clinic would. Like it helped me. Um, But Christy isn't Christy anymore. She's a fucking zombie. And Tracy's like, well, maybe that's a good thing. I mean, the alternative is drug addicts. So maybe vacant and uninterested in life is the better alternative. Anything's better than that. That's a horrible life. (laughs) I know. And Matthew is like, no, no, she isn't anyone anymore that's my problem is she's not anybody anymore and nick's like okay cool can you tell us about your mother and tracy immediately follows with did you get along so they're doing a really good job of being a partnership in this in this discussion and nick follows it up with your mom's dead you know she was murdered and he's like oh my god do you think it was me like i didn't it wasn't me And he's like, okay, Nick says, we went to your apartment to notify you, and you ran. That's not a great look, dude, brah. That's not a great look, brah. (laughs) And he goes, yeah, well, I was holding. And Nick's like, oh, okay, cool. I thought you were clean. And he's like, well, clean's a little relative. I just had some grass, (laughs) which wouldn't even be illegal now in Toronto. And they're like, you know what, we haven't told... Because he asks, does Christy know that mom's dead? And they're like, well, we haven't told her yet. McGee thinks it would be too hard on her. And he's like, yeah, I agree. For once, I agree. 
And then they go out to kind of talk with Reese about it because we just got it. This is just a series of conversations is what this entire episode is. And neither Tracy nor Nick really believe his reason for running. But like, meh, we're not going to follow up on that. So who gives a shit? And Reese says they can hold him for a bit on the weapons charge and suggests telling um, Christy Black that her mom was murdered. Nick suggests that because that she's the one person they haven't talked to so far. And as it turns out, this is an excellent hunch on his part. So good job, Nick. You did police work. And then Reese breaks the news that Tracy will be starting at corporate crime first thing tomorrow morning. And Tracy does not seem shocked. And he's like, oh, you knew? And she goes, I had accepted the inevitable. Like I knew I was going to get shunted over there. Dad decided I was going to do it. So here I am. And Reese is like, well, I'm sorry to lose you. Um, but you just let me know how it goes. Go home, rest, shifts over anyway. So Nick is driving home because, hey, surprise, we get a new location in this episode and it's Nick's house. So Nick is going home. And LaCroix is podcasting. And... LaCroix goes, you're thinking about the past. I can tell. Well, of course he can tell. He can fucking read his mind. He's probably like, oh, is he back on Rasputin? Damn, I haven't thought about Rasputin in a long time. And he's like, I bet you're wondering, how did I get here? Did I have a say in the matter or did I just drift here? Like flotsam, subject to the winds of everything and everyone but myself. Bumping through history. And this is so traumatizing, it sends Nick into his flashback. <laughs> that monologue reminded me of Paul Atreides. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> are we really prede predetermined to be on a certain path? Or do we just sort of bump around like a ping pong ball? Bump our way through history. In the obstacles of history. And we go back and he's walking into a room and Rasputin's like sitting in the corner. He's like huddled in the corner. And he's like, okay, what? why did you summon me? And Rasputin's like, it is not I who summoned you. <laughs> he has a different accent this time. Don't ask me why. <laughs> Nick looks over and it's Laqua and Laqua goes bumping through history again. So oh, that's our follow through. That's like he said it in the podcast and he said it in the past. And that's how we know he's remembering what Nick is remembering because he remembers this conversation too. God, God this fucking episode. And he's like, or did you just sense the coming revolution? History. Or we are always, he doesn't say we are always where history is. He says history is always where we are. Which I thought was a really nice angle on it. Yeah. Because it can it provide a hand wavy explanation for why is Nick always with these like famous figures of history? People. Yeah. It's because Lacroix is always in the background causing some event that leads to this person being famous. Yeah. It's not that he just happened to be hanging out with famous people. It's whoever he hangs out with or whoever LaCroix is paying attention to at the moment. LaCroix is going to engineer some situation, some social upheaval or revelation or whatever. Yeah. Just because he likes poking around. Yeah. Well, he, he likes the carnage that follows. Yeah. Yeah. He's just cooking the buffet is what he's doing. Uh, he's that's, preheating the oven. Yeah. That's the entire uh, premise of The Secret Life of Addie LaRue. 
is that she secretly drives like creativity and artistic growth throughout history. I didn't finish that book because I could not bear to finish that book because it got so predictable, but it was a pretty interesting premise. She gets forgotten immediately. I think she has to walk through a door or it's the next day. Anyway, she gets immediately forgotten as soon as people don't see her anymore. And so she can like influence people and then immediately be for be forgotten. So they think they did it. They think they invented it, but she did. And we find out that surprise motherfuckers, LaCroix turned Rasputin into a vampire. But it turns out he's more headstrong than he bargained for. And he goes, not unlike you, Nicholas, except I hope it isn't madness that makes you so headstrong. Is it? He's rather headstrong. Rather like you, actually. Although I trust that it is not madness that makes you so. You know why I resist you. Oh, yes, you would have me believe that all men should be free. <laughs> <laughs> it is now! <laughs> it wasn't at first, but it is now. If that makes you leave me alone, then yes. <laughs> and then LaCroix launches into a pro- a pro-enslavement monologue <laughs> that just feels like rammed the fuck in this episode. Like if we didn't listen, if you had not gotten the point that everybody is controlled by somebody else yet. Here, guys, so I'm fucking here to tell you LaCroix is ready to spell it out explicitly. Never fear. If you felt like it was a mystery before, it won't be for long. He has lessons to teach. That's why he started a podcast. I, I mean, fair. It's fair. He's like, oh, yes. You would have me believe that all men should be free. <laughs> Except people like to be enslaved and told what to do and who to hate. And freedom is the absence of individual thought. And then he goes on, and this is the part of this monologue that I actually do like. And he says, we are all under someone's thumb. The czar is under the czarina. The czarina is under Rasputin. And Rasputin is under me. So like I said, we're all under somebody's thumb. Except right. for me, of course. Well, no. Nick goes, and you're under? And then he's like, hmm. He does not answer that question. <laughs> Well, he explained in the the possession episode, Sons of Belial, <laughs> that he's, I answer to no one. Yeah, he answers to no one. Then you have no purpose. That may be, but at least I don't lie to myself. Yeah, okay, that was back in the Inquisition. We're we're past that now. He's grown. He still doesn't answer to anybody, but he's also grown. <laughs> <laughs> so Lacroix just like. Shrug, and then a couple people walk in with guns, and he's like, "Yeah, shoot the bitch." And so they shoot Rasputin, and then he's like, "Dump him in the river." And Nick's like, "That's not gonna kill him." And he's like, "It's not, <laughs> but it will spark a revolution. It will catalyze events." And he goes, "Revolution, you see, is all in the timing." And then he takes off, <laughs> like takes off in flight up inside the building, inside the building. And it reminded me of cherry blossoms. Where Nick takes off inside the building. <laughs> Breaks the ceiling. And does he go through the ceiling? 
literally anyone watching the palace just sees like something like pop out of the out of the roof and then fly off. Damn, we need to get the roof repaired again. <laughs> God damn it, Nicholas. <laughs> oh wait, no, wrong, blame Nicholas. it on Anastasia. <laughs> Does LaCroix get covered in plaster dust and he leaves like a cloudy trail as he flies off? I don't know. And then Tracy is at corporate crimes department because, of course, now she works at the corporate crimes department and her boss is an asshole. And that's the it's entire office space. That's the entire purpose. That's the entire point. She's an asshole. And the funniest line here is when Tracy is like, oh, forensic accounting, but I do homicide. And she goes, the boss says, oh, I know this will be a challenge for you. But you can handle it. Like, oh, no, honey, I knew you'd do homicide. But don't worry. I think you're better than that. Because we're better than you. Just spoiler alert. And then we come back because Christy Black's business manager from the fucking videos. Matt goes, that's the lady from the fucking video. <laughs> so I wrote in my notes, the fucking videos. Uh, finally appears and is immediately murdered. But am da damn, then we're done. So then Natalie is there for the body. Well, this is when we find out that it's Christy Black. No. Yeah, we we zoom like pan over and see the gun, oh, and we yeah. go up to her face. Yeah, you're right. And that's when we find out. Oh, see, Christy's I already fucking forgot. It's falling out of my, my head. I gotta fast forward through this because I'm losing it as time goes on. It's like chunking off. Yeah, it's Christy. Surprise, y'all! It's Christy. The anti-memetic. Yeah. Properties. Are it was, it's already at work. At work. Yeah. So Natalie is there for the body. And she's like, huh, this was Christy Black's business manager. Christy Black's mom died. I'm sensing a pattern. Thank you. And Nick goes, well, it can't be Matthew because he's been in holding. And Natalie goes, so who does that leave you with? And then walks off. Natalie's got some attitude. Oh, she's got some tude this episode. She really does. So then Tracy has gotten a file. They give her a file. And they're like, this is a file. Go through this shit. And Tracy's like, exciting. Wasn't Lauren a character in Babylon 5? Lauren, yeah. Yeah. This is the Lauren account. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lauren's in it for like a couple of episodes. And it's end of season. It would be after this. It's Yeah. It's when Sheridan dies on Zahadum. Because <laughs> he jumps off the ledge. Spoiler meets, alert. He meets Lauren at the bottom. Between the tick and the talk. It's one of my yeah. favorite episodes. What do you live for? Who are you? Okay, sorry. You gotta derail me with Babylon 5 because now I'm like, oh, that's a really fucking good episode because he's like, what do I live for? It says, okay, never mind. Sorry. I have to go back to but my Tracy, shit episode. But Tracy can't focus yeah, on so the Yeah, so Tracy Lauren gets account. a file and then she's like, mm, yeah, this looks real exciting. And the lady goes, I know it's tedious, but my people get their job done and they just keep their head down and they do things my way and you homicide cops have a reputation for being independent and tracy goes don't worry ma'am i wouldn't dream of using my head here and she's like i'm gonna pretend we got off to a good start and you're gonna have this file done by tomorrow e-o-d and b-a-u F you. So then christy <laughs> black shows up at the precinct to see her brother and reese lets her go in He's like, well, we wouldn't normally do this, but Tracy says you're famous, so sure. Just leave your purse at the front. And her brother's really happy to see her. And he's like, after this, let's go out and get something to eat. You can come back to my place, and we need to talk about McGee, because I don't think he's good for you. 
And we have this really sweet moment right up until she shoots him. Because he sends the guard out to get water and Kleenex because she's crying. Because apparently every time she cries, people just hydrate her. They're like, cool, can we get this woman some water? <laughs> she's leaking. <laughs> Moisturize me. <laughs> you need to fill up the tank. <laughs> and so she shoots him. Oh, surprise. Five times in the chest with a low caliber bullet. So I was thinking it might have made this episode a little bit more interesting just character wise to have Matthew be the one that got Christy into drugs and then you could have you a little can't. more interaction. I don't even want to talk about how to make this episode better. I just want this episode to go away. Okay. Except well, for Rasputin. He's dead now. Yeah. Except for Rasputin. It saves this episode somehow with his like <laughs> moist dampness. Um why did Rasputin just sit there and let himself get shot? Um, because everyone else knows that the only thing you can do when Lacroix is around is surrender. Nick is the only one who has been fighting this long, and that's why Lacroix likes him so much. It's a test. Everyone else is like, oh, God, okay, he doesn't like me anymore. I'm surely dead. I shall just sit here and await my fate. But Reese, come because of course now we come back to Natalie has once again arrived to investigate this body. This is like the fucking fifth time she's done this today. And Reese is like, how the hell did this happen? Well, Reese, you let somebody in to go meet him you, and lock you up. You bypassed procedures. You didn't, you didn't pat her down. You just had her drop off her She didn't even walk through purse. a medical detector. A medical detector. detector? This woman has medical care. <laughs> Oh, that probably would have been good because they'd been like, what is all those drugs? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but even a metal detector would have been great. Yeah. I don't, whatever. So Reese is like, how the hell did this happen? It's all going to go to shit when they find out I let her in. And then we just let her walk out. <laughs> and then we go back to Tracy. Whooshed over to Tracy. And Tracy is actually doing research on Christy Black at the accounting, like the forensic accounting department. And so her boss comes over and she's like, Tracy, you still working? And Tracy's like, yeah. And her boss goes, okay, did you come up with anything? And Tracy's like, you know what? Actually, let's cut the shit. We both know I'm not actually working on anything you've told me to do. Tracy, you still working on the Lauren file? Yeah. Come up with anything? Why don't we just cut the little game, Captain? You and I both know I'm not working on the Lauren file. I would have thought you had the smarts to take a look at the larger picture. We're talking about your career. This is not about the Lauren file or your homicide case. This is about you doing what you are supposed to do. You mean me doing what you say I'm supposed to do? Same thing. No, it's not. What I should be doing is trying to track down a killer. What are you doing? I'm being insubordinate. I respect Tracy so much in this moment. Because <laughs> yeah, she's, like, she's like, yeah, let's face it. I'm not doing what you told me to do. And the boss is like, um, you need to be doing what you're supposed to do. And she goes, you mean what you want me to do? And the boss is like, yeah, same thing. And so she's like, no, mm. not the same thing. Okay, cool. And so she just goes back to what she's doing. And she's like, what are you doing? And Tracy goes, being insubordinate. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so the lady goes, you're making a big mistake. And Tracy's like, what are you going to do? Bust me down to meter maid? I don't think so. You're too far up my dad's ass. There's no way you're going to be able to do that. And she just storms off. And Tracy's like, control P. And she prints the file. <laughs> oh, wasn't it F11? <laughs> she was F9ing when she should have been F10ing. No, this is, the, I love this scene. And then otherwise, bleh, episode, this was like, mm, thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Yeah. I needed that little bit of, I got sass. I don't do what everybody tells me. I'm actually a really independent character. I'm just growing up. Yeah. And given enough time, I'm going to be formidable. And I appreciate this moment. And so Tracy's like, well, fuck that job. And so she goes back to join Nick. She's like, Nick maybe is a bad influence. I don't know. I mean, look yeah, what Nick has gotten away with. Look what Nick gets away with. Um, yeah. 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 It's the hypnotism. Well, no, I mean, if you looked at his file, it's got to be just a bunch of like, <laughs> he did this thing and then it's just scratched through with red paper and it's like, no, he didn't. And it's in crayon. And then it does it again. And he's like, he killed a man by throwing him into an electrical transformer. And it's like scratched uh -uh. through. And then it's like, uh-uh, he jumped on it by himself. And it's just all these like, someone in like, you know, crayon, whatever was handy at the moment, just corrected all of his records. So he gets away with everything. So I'm sure Tracy is like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And the one important thing about this, literally the only reason she goes there plot wise is so she can investigate like forensically. She can look at her accounting and she finds out that no one can get to this fortune unless literally everyone dies. Her mom has to die. Her brother has to die. And now... Either Christy, and her, um, her agent, her yeah, manager. her business manager, and now McGee is also on it. So McGee or Christy, McGee and Christy are the only ones left. Whoever dies first, the other one gets it. And so Tracy goes, yeah. So which one is next? And so they go into McGee's place, and it's empty. And Nick is like, oh, look at this tape player that's just sitting right here. I could just walk over and kaboom! <laughs> it's playing. It's finally! Like, fucking finally! And so it starts playing the family whatever. He puts on the headphones, and it's like, kill, kill, murder, death, kill, kill, <laughs> kill. And he's like, I think this might be related. <laughs> <laughs> Because it turns out the headphones are hypno-programming her to kill people. I do hypnotism, and this feels like hypnotism. <laughs> Listen, I've got like a thing. It's a thing. I know about hypnotism, and this feels like like on brand. And Tracy's like, oh, okay, cool. So she actually, she doesn't, he doesn't actually say anything. He's just like, oh, he's showing her how to kill, and he's like telling her to kill these people on here. Because it's like, this He's is the person you must her. shoot. But the weirdest part about this isn't the like murder, death, kill this person, shoot them. This is all a dream. It's the weird e like Eastern music playing in the background. The like, <laughs> the, like, the, like sitar music. The like, oh, what is happening? Does that have to be there? Does it not work if you don't play a sitar over it? It doesn't work. <laughs> I don't know. But it sends Nick into the flashback again because Rasputin has been dumped into a river. But, of course, that doesn't actually kill him. So he shows back up and he's confronting Nicholas the Tsar. And Nick the Vampire shows up and he ends up staking him. And then the Tsar is like, oh, my God, are you like 
like the same. And Nick is like, yeah. Although Nick gets a pretty metal fucking line to Rasputin. And I just want to put this in there because he's grabs Rasputin and he's choking him. And he's like, what do you think is going to fucking happen? You are going to start this revolution and what? You're going to own the kingdom? You're going to take it back for the people? What? You will be a ruler of nothing but a wasteland filled with rotting flesh. You would bring a monarchy to its knees. Countless thousands of people may die in the upheaval. You would be ruler of nothing but a wasteland filled with rotting flesh. Yeah, that's pretty metal. That's pretty fucking metal. Anyway, he stakes him. And he dies, unlike <laughs> everyone else who gets staked around here. <laughs> so I thought, we finally know what happened to Rasputin. Why is this video not playing in high school classrooms? <laughs> this is a historical record, y'all. <laughs> Especially the part afterwards where the vampire is like, my friend. Because Tsar Nicholas is like, uh, you're like him. And Nick goes, it's a long story. One that I'm afraid I shan't be able to tell you, but your son will recover now. I wish you and your family well, my old friend. And Tsar Nicholas is like, yeah, it's cool. Can you get the fuck out? And Nick is like, yeah, I'm already on the way. Just want to get a parting shot in there. And so Nick puts in another tape. He pulls one up at random and he's like, hmm, okay. And he puts it in and it's Christy and her boyfriend. Uh-oh. Did she also murder her boyfriend? I don't think she murdered her boyfriend because she wasn't so. seeing a therapist until after. The, yes. Unless she was seeing him, but she wasn't living with him. Mm. We don't know. This episode's so convoluted. There's no way of telling. But he puts it in and it's her and her boyfriend on Pier 5. They oh my tried God, to Tracy. shove some more plot in this episode, but yeah. it pushed the original plot out. So they stopped. Yeah. So they just were like, you know what? Take it for what it is. And Tracy's like, oh, my God, if Christy kills everyone on these videotapes. And then Nick goes, then she's going to kill herself. And then McGee shows up and he's like, why are you guys touching my tapes? What the hell are you doing here? What the hell are you doing here? Bruh. And so Tracy runs over and he, we get a little bit of whatever, cuff him. And then Nick is like, cool, I'm going to go. And Tracy goes, where are you going? But he just leaves. (laughs) I'm going around, Tracy. And so he flies off, literally. And Christy's standing at the pier. She has a gun. She's hearing McGee's voice telling her to kill herself. Nick shows up just in time. And she's like, I have to shoot her. I've got to do this. And Nick hypnotizes her to overcome the hypnotism that she's already been hypnotized with. And so the hypnotism undoes the previous hypnotism. Which which vindicates him for losing the hypno off with Rasputin. Yeah, he's like, see, one, A, I won because I'm still fucking alive. And two, I win because I can. I can out hypnotize a human. So good job, me. <laughs> and he's like, You don't have to kill her. And she's like, I don't have to kill her. I don't have to kill her. I don't have to die. I don't have to die. And so he, she collapses on Nick's chest, like, Oh, thank fucking Christ. Except, and I want to point this out this poor, clearly psychologically fragile woman murdered her mother, her brother, her business manager, and possibly also her boyfriend. And she has to live with that. I mean, I'm not saying she should have killed her. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying 
there's a long road ahead for Christy Black. So we come back and ha ha, we just had this. I mean, this woman's life is shattered. It is broken in pieces on the ground. So sure, let's have our wrap up be about how Tracy's going to stick it to her dad. That's exactly how we should turn this turn this frown upside down. So Tracy's like, I'm back, y'all. And they're like, oh, my God, we're so glad you're back. Have you told your dad? And she's like, no, but I know that conversation is coming. So it'll come to me. I don't need to come to it. And they they do get one line where they're like, how's Christy Black doing? Well, it's not good, but it's not hopeless because she's going to testify and hopefully it sticks, even though he's got skeezy lawyers, going to be fine. And then Tracy gets a call and Nick literally says, oh, that sounds like his ring. And so she's talking to her dad and she's like, we have to talk. Okay, how about two? No, dad, you change yours. And then that's the end of the episode. And y'all, we made it. We made it through strings. Woo! Oh, you know what? I hesitate to say this is a terrible episode. It's just not engaging. I think there's too many plot lines. There's too much going on. Every single plot line is actually repetitive. And we get these tiny little moments of like, ooh, that was good. Like the Tracy insubordinate one and the Rasputin flashback is... We didn't I get mean, nearly enough Rasputin. Right? That's what we needed. He just sort of lurks. He yeah. doesn't, he's not really active Which except is in character. one moment where he hypnotizes the Tsarina. But the re- and then the Tsarina has the squarest jaw I have ever <laughs> seen in my life. Ooh, this lady has a Russian accent. No, she doesn't. That's she bullshit. Does. No. No, she does. She's the only one that does. I'm sorry. It's already gone. <laughs> it's already gone. <laughs> It's left me. I didn't remember until you brought her up. Oh, she looks like somebody had like a filter, you know, those whatever filters where they'll be old people or dog or whatever, except the filter makes her mouth really, really tiny in the middle of her face. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, there's better episodes. Let's put it that way. I liked Sons of Bilial better just because it was so fucking off the wall. This wasn't off the wall. It wasn't weird. This was it not was uncomfortable just, to watch. Ugh. It was everybody's being controlled by somebody. Let's show ad nauseum everyone being controlled by somebody else on repeat for 48 minutes. The end. We get a couple metal lines. We get Tracy being badass. We get Lacroix arguing for slavery, which I'm just going to, you know what? I'm going to put that, I'm going to chunk that out. I'm going to put it in the little box where the Oedipus flashback lives. And I'm just, (laughs) and then I'm going to put the lid back on and I'm going to let that sit there. So later it can come out as unresolved trauma. That's what I'm going to do. Cause this felt as this felt as throwaway as the I can't even remember what episode the Oedipus flashback is in because it doesn't have anything to do with what's happening in the main storyline. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. I don't think it's Father Figure, but you know what I'm talking about? The one where the one where Jeanette helps Lacroix kill his father in effigy. Yeah, yeah. And Nick has the worst wig in existence it's like they cut up a wig and threw it at his head like they threw glue at his head and they threw it at his head 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I'm going to do with that because I don't want to hear LaCroix being like, what do you mean people deserve to be free? Fuck you. You don't deserve to be free. You're my son and my bitch. <laughs> you will be for all of eternity. Well, I think we've pretty much said all we want to say about that episode. And we are going to make up for it in fucking spades with fever. I'm so excited. It's one of my favorite episodes for like multiple reasons. And I'm just so excited to talk about that. one. Maybe that's why I was like strings is the episode before fever. Okay. You know, when you don't yeah. watch them in order, there are episodes where you're like, well, I watched that once and then I see it and I'm like, strings, well, that didn't make any kind of an impression. I'm not going to watch that again. And then I'm like, ooh, but fever. All right. It's the other single word episode in this series, this particular season. And it's one of the better episodes of the show altogether. I have been waiting to get to fever for I can't even tell you how long. You've had a fever for fever. I've had a fever for fever. So I guess we'll just leave it here. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.